So if you were on an elementary play yard, what might you use this ball for? Okay, you're all merged together. <laughs> Try it again with me. Kickball. Okay, what else? Dodgeball. Yes. Shall we play that here? No, I guess not. No, not a good idea. What else might you play? Four square. Very good. So good of you. Yes. Yeah, I remember playing it a lot in that age bracket. And uh, I was, I'm not bragging, but I was good. I, I was good. Notice the word was in there. But uh, I enjoyed playing it quite a bit. And I would do uh, every chance we had recess and other times as well that we would go through and get to play. And it was a lot of fun to be able to do that. And the object of the game, if you're not familiar with it for some reason, maybe you've been in Africa or Russia or someplace else, and, uh, but the idea was four people playing the squares that are equal to one another, and their purpose was to try to take the ball, hit it, and make the other person not be able to hit it back or to someone else. And uh, then you begin to gain your momentum as you begin to move around the squares, and that became... Uh, the object of the game. Now it sounds at my age today like, what were you doing that for? I mean, goodness, you know, what was that all about? But I don't know if you're aware of it fully because we don't talk about it a lot, but it is very much a part of who we are. We are part of the Foursquare family of churches, uh, some 2,000 churches in the United States, some 40,000 in the world and uh, in 170 countries now. And so it's a lot of places, a lot of impact that it's having right now across our world and our culture. Well, we're part of that group. And the interesting thing about the word Foursquare that not only is it a game and a website that you may use and all as well, but it also has to do originally with the word balance. And it had to do with the fact that things were balanced in a proper way in what they, they were all about. And so the idea with our own denomination and what we're a part of in the church family is the fact that our gospel would be balanced. That's why, like the symbols on the walls over here, that tells us way back in there is Jesus is the Savior and the baptizer with the Holy Spirit, the healer and the coming king. And that becomes not the, all the beliefs that we have, but their main basis of what's portrayed in Scripture about who Jesus is. But I remember reading about our founder, Sister McPherson, and she would come along, and when she first introduced this thought out of the book of Ezekiel, yes, there are good things in Ezekiel, by the way, and I'll, if you haven't got there yet, but uh, she came along, she said, well, it's a four-square gospel. It's a balanced gospel. And that has been kind of a hallmark for us as a denomination to seek to be people that don't go to extremes one way or the other way, but find where it is not in a compromising way, but in a balanced way between the reality of the way life is being lived and the word of God and beginning to see those things balanced properly in life. Well, I want to come this morning and review with you the words that you read this week, if you're reading with us in our 260 reading time, because we were in 2 Corinthians, and we were in chapters 9, 10, 11, and 12, 13. And, but we're going to look at chapter 12 today. And I'm going to invite you to look at it with me, if you will, and interesting words that are presented in here, but I, I want you to catch some things that I think can be helpful to us in our walk and our life. We're going to begin in verse 1, and Paul is writing this. Now, let me just preface it with this. In chapter 11, and we'll look at chapter 11 also, but Paul is feeling the need to validate who he is as an apostle of God. Now, we might look at the scriptures today and we say, well, what do you need to do that for, Paul? What's going on? But in that day, there were people that would go around, kind of a circuit rider, preachers type of people, and they would be going around and around, 
and they would begin to say, well, you know, you don't have to listen to Paul because I'm a better apostle than what he is. And there came this whole comparison thing going on in this period of time. And so Paul's responding to that. And so we pick it up in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It says, this boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know this, that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. Interesting statement, isn't it? Going on. He says, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth or the facts. But I wasn't, I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. In other words, if my life isn't living it out, then I don't want to say it, just to be saying it and talking about it. Going on, he says, even though I have received uh, such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different, thing, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. Jesus, this is your word, and only you can give the full understanding and illumination from it into our hearts. So I invite you to come and speak to us where you see we need to learn, where we need to understand, where we need to have a revelation and a point of distinction about our life of how we should proceed forward with our lives. So Lord, we invite you to speak to us out of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I really felt led to talk about balancing visions and weaknesses this morning. We're going to look at four words in here that Paul talks about. And the four words, I think we'll have them for you. Thank you. That it's visions and boasts, thorns, and weaknesses. And I want to very quickly run through those four words with you. And then I want to be able to come back and tie them together of how does this all fit? And what are you talking about? What are you trying to get at in what you're saying? Let me be very clear. I very much believe in visions and dreams. I believe in God giving revelations to people. I believe that God gives words to people. I believe those things are reality and true for today. Not just in a historical fashion that we read about from the word of God, but it's happening today. God's giving things that... He's communicating into his church. And it's an interesting verse out of Acts chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. It's in the middle of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. And he says this, No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. What he's referencing is people have just said, hey, these guys are drunk. I mean, look at what all they're doing. They're really weird, you know, stuff that they're doing. And <laughs> before this, Peter had said, hey, listen, we're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Come on, we haven't had time to get drunk yet. You know, so we're not drunk. So now he's coming along to define what is happening here. And so he goes on, verse 17, in the last days, quoting Joel, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. So you can determine whether you're young or old by whether you're getting dreams or visions. Okay, just to clarify that for everybody. And uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to define that for myself. But anyway, 
But it's interesting that in the scriptures, visions and dreams are talked about over 250 times. 250 times in the scriptures does it talk about the dreams. I know because I counted them and uh, to go through because I wanted it for my own awareness and my own understanding and my heart and just say, okay, God, I know you mentioned this. I know you talk about it, but how important is it? And so when I hit 250, I stopped and I thought, okay, God, it's, it's important to you. All right, I got it. You know, it's enough in the scripture. So when you see that in scripture and realize, okay, God, you talk about visions and dreams that many times, then it must be something that's relevant for today too. Because you never talked about saying, okay, these are going to be gone and they'll be passed away and those kind of things. No, he says, no, it's there. And he says, God speaks in and to people from that vantage point. I was in uh, Ankara, uh, Turkey, uh, several years ago, <clears throat> and we had the privilege with our host to go into one of the mosques there. If you've never been in that and such, you do need to be respectful in what you're doing. One of the things we had to do as we came in was take our shoes off. And uh, then as we walked in there, we were to be very quiet. So I gathered up my team together and I said, listen, here's what God's laid on my heart. I want you to begin to walk through there and quietly pray for God to give, to reveal himself to the people as they're seeking after God. Now, I'm not misled in thinking, yeah, but they're, they're seeking after Allah, you know, not the God we made. That's all right. God knows how to translate it. And he knows how to get through to people. But I felt, God, you communicate with people right where they're endeavoring to the best of their understanding at the moment to be able to seek after what they believe is God. But God can give revelation about who they are and begin to show and reveal that into their hearts and their minds. It's easier to be condemning about people and say, well, I don't like that. That's no good. And all, that's a false religion and all those kind of things. And while in truth, in comparison with the word of God, I totally agree with you. However, how we approach people is beginning to God bring revelation of who he is into the lives and hearts of people. Because God does it better than you and me, usually, most of the time. Well, okay, all the time. All right. So when you get a dream or a vision, what are you going to do with it? You know, in... My background and my history, a lot of times what made a really great service on Sunday or any other time is when we walk away and say, oh man, that was so good. We had a word of prophecy today. We had this happened and that happened. And what we did was we rejoiced in the event, but we didn't do anything with what was said. Did you get that? Should I say it again? Yeah, it, it, it's beginning to realize that God doesn't speak to hear himself talk. He doesn't need to, okay? It's, he doesn't flap his jaws, and I don't mean that entirely disrespectfully, but for you to understand, God doesn't say something just to say, well, okay, I've said my piece today, that's it. God speaks because he has a message to give. But it's important for you and me to be able to say, God, what do I do with this? What is my next steps? How do I process this? What do I need to implement? What do I need to change? What do I need to adjust? And those are the questions you and I need to really ask of the Lord when we hear those type of things. You know, when we're in worship, as we were this morning, and we're being led in to say the goodness of God and that he'll never fail and he hasn't failed me yet. Okay, is that true? And you take a moment to reflect back, say, okay, Okay, I'm still alive. It's still, yeah, it really is. You know, and it, I, I'm still here. And all, God must have been faithful because I didn't get here by accident. Nor did I get here because of my will and my greatness, but because of the goodness of God and what he's done. So what do we do when we get those visions and dreams? Let me offer you three simple uh, ways of judging those things. This is a whole message in itself because I usually give like 10 different things, but I wanted to make it simple on us this morning and uh, talking about it. But number one is, is this vision or dream or word from God, is it true to scripture? 
The scripture, the word of God, it can't contradict what this has to say. This is the standard, okay? Because God's not gonna come along and say, oh, by the way, I've changed my mind. <laughs> Scrap that thing in there in the Bible there. You know, now we're gonna do this. God's not gonna do that. If he's an all-knowing, all-powerful God, don't you think he would have understood that what he wrote years before where you and I are today, that it would still be pertinent and applicable into our lives for this moment in time? I think so. Where we begin to realize God's smarter than that. So we need to remember, do not, it does not contradict what the word of God says. So if you're coming along, and you can I'll give you wild examples, but I won't take the time to do that. But, you know, it's balancing it with the word of God. Secondly is, has God given you peace to know it really came from him? When you hear something that's spoken out, there should be a response inside, and the response comes from the Holy Spirit, who will come along and say, Gary, that's right on. That's for you. And there's something of a clear awareness inside, this is the Lord. And I respond to that because of the peace of God is there within me. And number three is where I need to do this, and sometimes you do, is you may take a word that doesn't really make as much sense, but you know it's from God, and you know it's biblical in what its content is, but then you need to take another step and go to somebody that you trust, that you can counsel with and say, God's spoken this to me, this is what the Lord has revealed to me, but I don't know what to do with it, I don't know what my next steps should be. And prayerfully, that person could help you, guide you into what needs to happen with the next steps of what you do with it. Many times I've had people come with me to that opportunity and that privilege. And every time I take them to uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So I, I pray that with them before I say anything. Because what I'm saying is, Lord, I'm inviting you in because I don't know what to tell this person. I mean, you're talking to them, yes. But Lord, where we go from here, we depend upon you for your understanding and your guidance and your direction. That always needs to be a baseline for you and me as we go to other people and we talk with them is, are they gonna give me that kind of direction and that clarity in what I need to do? So visions are something for today. We need to open our hearts up to it. In fact, may I suggest to you that <clears throat> depending upon what your age is, that you ask for visions or dreams, but that you, you come along and you be saying, Lord, I want that in my life. I, I want something fresh and new that you're revealing about what life is to be all about right now in this situation. Because frankly, we can get very staid in what we do as a Christian. We can just kind of ride along, ride the wave, and feel as though, well, at least I got my ticket to heaven, so I'm going to be on the first train out. That's great. It's already punched by Jesus and all. That's it, so let's just kind of sit back and lay in the hammock and let's go. But instead, we need to come along and realize that every breath I have, every breath that has been given to me is a gift from God that God wants me to use to further his kingdom and see what his advancement of who he is to other people may be. So it's always with that thought that God, you're gonna give me more so that I could begin to move forward in what you have. So visions, number two is boasts. It's an interesting thing, as you read chapter 11 this week of 2 Corinthians, that uh, Paul does quite a lengthy explanation, and I'm going to read it with us today, simply because I want to review with you what did this guy go through in his life? What did he face? What did he have to confront with his life? And for those of you that read it, you know it's already there, and so you've got that memorized, I know. But uh, anybody else that may not have and all with us, let me offer this to you. After all you think you, after all, you think you are so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. Now he's talking about himself in here. You put up with it when someone enslaves you, takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, or takes control of everything and slaps you in the face. Not the kind of person I want to hang with. 
I'm ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do that. But whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again, he defines that. I dare to boast about too. And this is his boast in verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. I think after number one, I'd almost be saying, God, you know, transport me out of here, you know, so forth. But he goes through all of this. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. I, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. Interesting statement. I have worked hard and long, and during many sleepless nights, I have been hungry and thirsty, and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak among, without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray, and I do not burn with anger? By the way, his burn with anger is not against the individual. It's about the circumstances and the forces of hell that come against that person to draw them away and draw them from the things of God. And then the last verse, he says, if I must boast, in spite of all the things he's already said, if I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. Whew. You know, in our culture and society that we live in that is built around who are you? And it's all about what degrees do you have? What certifications do you have? What experience do you have? And we build along that. I'm not out saying in some settings and jobs and things like that, that's not important. But what the emphasis here is how people speak of it. Man, you got to listen to me because I've got this. I, I've done this. I've been here. I've accomplished this. You know, sometimes I, I look at that, I listen to people at times that may go that little bit of that direction in what they're doing and they're speaking and so forth. And I think, I think to myself, Lord, how impressed are you with what all they're bragging about? You know, the very person that gives me the next breath I breathe, how impressed are you with what I've accomplished? Man, you, you begin to realize the differences there and realize, man, you are God and I am not. And I want to keep that straight, God, with you, very clearly. So what do we do with boastings? Because there is an avenue and expression of that in Scripture. And David offers it to us in Psalm 34, verse 1 to 3. And here's what he says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. By the way, that's a good thing for you and me to do. You know, it's an easy thing to get into a pattern of, oh, well, look at the problems I've got. Look at the difficulties I have. Look at the things that are going wrong with me. I was thinking as we were worshiping that we were talking about the goodness of God and the goodness of God pursues me. He's pursuing after me out of Psalm 23 is where it comes from, that thought. And it's talking about the fact that God is coming along behind me and he's constantly pursuing me to show and, and reveal his goodness at work in my life. But you know, it's like a runner who's running along and man, they're going like this and they're out in front of everybody else and all. The temptation they have, which is always wrong to do, by the way, the temptation they have is to look back. And as soon as you look back, you slow down. I mean, it's an automatic thing. You talk to any track coach and they'll tell you, keep your focus here, the end line, the finish line. That's where you keep your focus at. And instead, you look around and, and you're slowing down. 
In our Christian walk, we get so caught up at times with what's going on around us, the circumstances we're facing, the things that are going wrong in our lives and all. We start looking at all of those things. Wow, look at this. Look at, wow, oh, oh no, you know, is it all going to work out? Well, God's with me, yeah, but my focus is not on God. It's really on the problems that I'm dealing with. And to begin to look and realize, God, I need to realize your word says you were good to me. You don't have any other way to be toward me. If I'm willing to follow you, you're going to show goodness constantly back toward me and into my life. So I need to be focusing on that and keeping my attention on that and realizing that's what God is wanting to bring me into more and more in my life. So my boasting comes in who the Lord is. David goes on, he says, I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Going through hard things, take heart. What is he meaning? He says, so he goes on, he says, come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. So there's a point of boasting, and our boasting ought to be, oh God, you were this, you've done this. You've accomplished this in my life or through my life. God, or you've done this for me. God, you've answered this prayer. You've met this need in my life. We ought to be rehearsing those things in our lives. I remember a few years ago, uh, my one daughter came to me and said, Dad, I really don't know much about your childhood. I was tempted to say, neither do I. But anyway, <laughs> not because it was bad in any way, but, but just wasn't something that kind of I rehearsed. But the Lord brought me back to that question or comment. And, and I realized, Lord, my kids don't know. My kids don't know my history. My kids don't know my background. My kids don't know what I've walked through and how good you've been in my life. They don't know. And I really felt not chastised, maybe not even corrected, but God kind of said, we need to adjust this in your life. You need to tell your family about what I've done in your life. And I'm not going to stand here and say, I've got it all mastered. They know everything now. But there's more things that are being shared as we move along and with my kids and grandkids to be able to help them understand of the goodness of God. I need to boast of him. What's he doing? What's he doing in my life? The third word in here is the word thorns. <clears throat> Not one of those kind of verses we like very much because it's kind of like we want to look at, overlook this somewhat and just kind of bypass it some, because he says in here, he says, even though I've received these revelations from God and the visions and dreams, so forth he had, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Now, let me just make one adjustment that you may have heard, heard about sometimes. Some people have talked about and said, well, that means that Paul had bad eyes. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. <laughs> you know, or he had some other physical ailment. And their reasoning is this, is they'll come on side, well, that's why Luke was with him. Luke, if you aren't aware of the fact, he was a doctor of his day. That's what he had practiced medicine. Okay, but he became a believer and he became a follower with Paul of Christ. And that's what he would do. So people will come along and say, well, that's why Luke was with him to help assist him overcome and deal with his physical problems. That's not what the scripture says. Okay, and I'm not trying to be rigid here, but I am trying to be true to what the word says. Okay, he tells us what it's all about. And that is the fact that it's a, it's a, um, uh, something brought to him to torment him. Satan was trying to torment him. What's the purpose? Is to get you so consumed at looking at the thorn, you don't look at him. And that's so easy to do for any of us. Listen, I'm, I'm there too. Where you come along and say, oh Lord, this is going on, this is happening, and what are we going to do about this, and, and all those things. But no, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to boast of who he is and what he can accomplish, even if I haven't fully seen it in operation or manifested yet. But my confidence is in him that he'll bring to pass what he says he will do. 
He will. Always will. So he comes along here and says, God knows how to balance me. And he says he realizes that I've had all these grand, grandiose revelations that God's given me, but I could become very puffed up and very prideful. It's an interesting comment about himself. What are the areas in your life, my life, that we need to allow the Lord to turn his searchlight on and say, Gary, there's some things in your life that I need to keep balanced in you because if they're not balanced, they're going to get out of hand. What might be some of those things in your life that you might be dealing with within yourself in various ways? So what does he say in the scripture here else? What do we do about the thorns in our life? I think James 4, verse 5 to 7 speaks it well. It says, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. So the Holy Spirit's always going to be coming along and say, Gary, you need to walk this way. Gary, you need to adjust that. Gary, don't do that. Gary, don't speak that. Don't think that. Don't, and so forth. Why? Because he wants to keep me focused on him and not on myself or the things around me that distract me from keeping my focus on him. That's why the Holy Spirit's there. And he goes on to verse 6 and he says, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, what do the humble people do? They humble themselves. I, I don't know how that operates or functions for you. Personally, I really don't like it. Just being honest. I don't really want to humble myself. But I found that it works. If you're in psychology, you'd, you'd understand the term is pragmatic. Is something that works. And that when I come and humble myself before the Lord, there's something God does in me. And what he does is he's depositing his grace in me to say, Gary, you are able to do this because of what I'm putting in you to enable you to do it. Not because of how great I am, but because how great he is. And that's what he poses into our hearts. So when I humble myself, the scripture goes on here, when you, uh, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. By the way, let me just give you a little tidbit here. Sorry, it's not in my notes, but you're going to get it anyway. And that is the fact of don't turn to God and say, God, would you get the devil away from here? The scripture says you resist him. We sometimes think that, well, God's got to do all of these things. Yeah, God will back you up, but he still needs to respond with, I resist what the enemy's trying to suck me into doing and being. I'm not going to go that direction. No. And oftentimes I've turned to people when they're struggling in some way or another way, and I say, let me give you a simple way to handle this. It's really easy. I've had people come along and say, well, shall I write it down? Well, you can. I said, but here it is. It's a two-letter word. The word is no. When the devil's coming and tempting you, all you need to do is no. You're standing in who Jesus is. You're covered with the blood of Christ. You have Christ or the Holy Spirit residing in you. So when you speak out a word and say no to that thing, what's going to happen? The enemy is going to have to flee because you recognize who you are in Christ. That I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And when you say no, it has that much authority and that much power within it. So don't take a long time trying to argue with the devil and say, oh, all this and that. The Bible says, no, you just need to say no to him. Don't waste your time. He doesn't deserve it. You spend a lot of time with the devil. And trying to talk to him and talk him out of whatever's going on. But notice in here. The way you deal with the thorns is you come back and humble yourself before the Lord. And then God applies his grace over your life. His enablement to do what you can't do in yourself. He will do that. And number four is our weaknesses. <clears throat> I don't like this word. Just being honest. But you know, it's there in the scripture. So what are you going to do with it? Because Paul comes along and says, I'll, I'll boast in my weaknesses. And that's not something I like to do. Man, look what I can't do. Look at what I struggle with. Look what is in front of me. 
Yet Paul looks at it from the standpoint, not that he's focusing on what the weakness is. He's focusing on the power of God that's enabled him to overcome that weakness. That's what he's doing. Yeah, we all have weaknesses. We all have shortcomings, whatever term you want to use about it. We all face them. But let's go back to the scripture here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. And I love what the Passion Translations uh, brings out. It's translated out of the Aramaic, so it's a little different than the Greek or the Hebrew or the Latin. <clears throat> but it comes along and offers these words in verse 10. I think we have it, do we? Yeah. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. Interesting perspective, isn't it? When I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, remember chapter 11, all the things that Paul talked about, this is what I've gone through, okay? That when I've endured, feel my weakness, endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ. Now catch that. That's important for you to realize He's realizing the fact that all this stuff that's going on around me, all the things that are either attacking me personally or happening around me are things that are being brought about to deter me from following Jesus Christ and pursuing his will and purpose for my life. That's what he's all about in trying to do that. So what does he say he'll do? In the midst of all of that, he says, I am made yet stronger. Think about that. In my weakest times, how do I become that much stronger in the midst of that moment? Again, the grace of God, the power of God, and who he is, not because of who I am. And when we begin to press into that, to realize, Lord, I'm in a weakened position and all. I need your strength. I need your capability. I need to uh, respond to what you have available to me. The last part of that verse in the Passion reads this way. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Wow. Wow. When you begin to realize, Lord, I am weakened and I'm not what I want to be right now, but God, I'm turning to you. I'm humbling myself before you and I'm crying out to you, Lord, I need your help, your enablement and what you can do in my life, God. I don't want to turn this way or that way. I want to turn to you, God. And as I humble myself before you, I receive from you what I need to endure what I'm faced with and what's in front of me and what's surrounding me right now. In my home, in my job, in my personal life, whatever that might be that you and I may be facing around us, God is able to give us what we need to go through. I love in the Old Testament talks about several times, especially in the Psalms, in Psalm 23, Psalm 107, Psalm 118, all of those talk in the midst of those that talking about us walking through things. God's plan for you and me is we always walk through, not around, not over, but through the things that we're facing in front of us. And yeah, it may be challenging. It may be a little bit difficult. It may seem to last forever to us. But if you'll hang and you'll trust and believe in him, God will take you through because that's his plan. His plan is to take you all the way through. So you might say, okay, <clears throat> so Gary, why are you emphasizing these four words? Thank you for asking that question. And I'll, here's the bottom line, and we'll close with this. God gives us, and I want to read it to you because I, I think it says it more accurately or more clearly to you, hopefully. God gives us visions and dreams and revelations to enable us to follow his will and plan for our lives. But there may come attacks on us like thorns to both keep us humble, but more importantly, to help us put into practice the insights God has given to us so that we know how to apply what we are learning. Maybe many of you would not know the name, but very strong statesman in the Lord's name is Dr. Paul Bilheimer. He was the pastor for the Crouches of TBN years ago. And in one of his books, he talks about the fact that he says that everything on earth is a on-the-job training 
for what eternity will hold. So when you face each day realizing, okay, I'm an on-the-job training right now for what God's going to have out in the future. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what that will involve in eternity. But right now, I can turn to God and say, God, I need your help in what I'm doing here. Whatever that consists of for you in your life. But we draw upon who God is. So we, the visions and the dreams and the revelations, things like that that God may give us, he'll always come and balance those if there ever comes a time in our life where we start thinking, man, I kind of got something. Whew. Hey, brother, you want me to tell you what God just showed me? You know, whenever we have that cockiness, I guess that isn't a Christian word, but anyway, uh, whenever we have that arrogance, that sense of, I've really got something that you don't have, ha, ha, ha. It's not scripture. It's not the heart of God. Lord, thank you for what I've gone through. Thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for what you blessed me with. Thank you, God, for this and this and this that we can name and recite. Thank you for how you've brought me through so much with my life. That I'm where I'm at today because of who you are. Listen, don't ever forget, he is God. And that means he's bigger, stronger, smarter, wiser, and quite capable of smashing you to to ribbits, okay? But he's not going to. But his capability is there. But his patience and his love and his assurance and his confidence is also there for you and me to take us through. So when God may bring balances to certain things, let's don't reject it. Say, why am I going through these problems? Why is this happening? Humble yourself before the Lord. Humble yourself and allow God to bring his ability to lift up. And then... Boasting and weaknesses. As I am learning to boast in the Lord instead of my own accomplishments, no matter how good they may be, my moments of weakness draw me toward trusting in God's power to be manifested when I feel weak or weakened. My boasting needs to be in him. God, you've done this. God, thank you for this. Thank you that you accomplished these things and all that. So that the weaknesses I may be facing, not to deny them, not to discount them, not to say they're not there. By the way, sometimes we in Krishna, we come along and we give the impression as though that to be a good Christian and trust God and put faith in God means you just deny everything that's going on around you. Listen, that's lying. I don't mean to be that cruel or mean, but, but that's lying, folks. And God hasn't called us to lie about where things are. I may recite what the facts might be happening in my life, but then I begin to also take the truth of the word of God and say, I want to take that truth and I want to apply it over the facts because I believe in the truth more than I believe in the facts. That's where we put our trust and our faith in God to do what needs to be done and not in ourselves. The last thought I want to present to you is we need to ask God to reveal what balance we need to see and understand from him. Rather than only expressing the facts, we balance the facts with the truth of the word of God, which is a whole other broad topic that we don't have time for this morning to try to deal with. But taking the truth of the word of God and applying it over your circumstance. Let me suggest this to you. When you start facing something, something is confronting you, maybe there's something this morning that you're dealing with. Begin asking the Lord, Lord, what can I take out of your word to put my faith into? Don't, don't make it just ethereal or something that's, well, I'm just kind of, I'm just trusting God. No, go to the word of God. Get something in writing that you can look at and say, this is what I have my faith into. I believe God to do this and I'm believing him to accomplish it. This may be happening. The doctors may have given me this verdict. The, uh, the person at the bank said this, or my creditors or that, or my family is happening this way. But God, your word says this. And I'm believing my faith is in the word, not in what the fact is. Amen. And yet not denying that there is a fact. And that's a reality. But my faith is in the word. And that's why I anchor it and I keep it right there. I want to go back to this verse once again with you, if you will, with me in 2 Corinthians 12, 10. 
<clears throat> and just begin to think through this verse with me again. It says, so I'm not defeated by my weakness. Catch that. What's your weakness at the moment that you're dealing with? And you say, I'm not going to be defeated by that weakness. Again, I'm not denying it, but I'm not going to be defeated by it either. Because of what God is. But I'm delighted. Why is he delighted? He's delighted because he knows God. He knows what God can do about my weakness, my situation. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. What's the portal you need right now from God in your life? The situation you're dealing with and you're facing. And we begin to come and we allow the Lord just to begin to refresh us in that. Because see, God can make us strong. I, had them, I asked that uh, Pastor Kalen would just lead us in that song this morning of goodness of God. Because I appreciate the words that that song has to communicate. That's the goodness of God that's following me. Yeah, I may be having Kurt follow me all over the place, which he isn't, by the way. But he may be following me all the place, but, and, all, and I can look at that positively or negative. But I want to look and see if the goodness of God is following me. God, you're still there. You're still with me. You still care about me. You still love me. You're still wanting to help me with everything in my life. God, you're still wanting to be a part of who I am and what I'm all about. God, you have goodness that you're showing me. And you don't fail in that. You continue, you continue, you continue. I'm always amazed because in, in my Bible reading, I, I not only do the 260, but I'm also reading through the scriptures as well, all of the Bible. And in the Old Testament, there's a lot of those times where Israel comes along and they decide, man, we want these gods and we want to serve these gods, uh, gods of the nations around them and all, but not Jehovah God. And they begin going after them. And they face the consequences of doing that because what happens is God comes along and I'm going to make believe this ball is you and me and God comes along and says when I'm serving him and I'm following him he puts a covering over my life like this of protection and keeping but when I choose to go out and do my own thing that protection is removed and Israel faced that over and over and over and over and over again you thought you'd think they'd get it but then I look at me well, we won't go there right now. And when we come back and we begin to realize the fact that they're just like you and me. Oh, look at this shiny stuff over here. Look at that cool. Look at this and so forth. All of a sudden, it's a little bit like the fisherman who throws down the hook down there with a bait and all is camouflaged with the hook. And we get hooked by something in our life. And now we're being drawn away from God. God has something better for you and me. He really does. You may be here this morning and uh, hearing a lot of different things within your, yourself today. And I want to suggest a couple of things to you. And uh, by the way, prayer team, you, you're welcome to come on up if you'd like to. That two things. One is, you might be here this morning and you say, Gary, I, I hear you talking about all this stuff and and I'm not really sure I'm clear on it. I'm not sure I really kind of get it in what you're trying to reference. And let me just submit to you that the way to get it is to have a relationship with God. That's it. Nothing magical. Not joining a church or doing some other hoops to jump through. It's just simply saying, God, I want to have a relationship with you. And I want to start today. And that might be for you of where you're at. Or number two... You also might be here today and you might say, hey, Gary, I recognize or see myself with some thorns or I see some weaknesses. And I just want to humble myself by coming up to one of these people and just saying, would you pray with me? Because I don't want to let this thing become my focus of how weak I am. I want to become strong in the Lord in the midst of my weakness. And I want to see him do it. And just allow these people to pray with you. That's what they're here for. 
They don't have any magicalness. They don't have any specialness. They're not a whole lot greater than you are in many ways. They're just simply servants of the Lord. They're willing to offer themselves to say, I want to agree with you to see what God will do. And you allow him to do that. But if you're here as well this morning, and you say, Gary, or maybe you're online as well watching, and you can do this as well there, that you might be thinking, you know, I need to get my life where I should be with God, then do it today. Why wait? Why go on? You know, so, well, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, whatever. Quit vacillating. Just do it. Just do it. Say, God, I just want to have a relationship with you. I want to start a life with you. Would you come into my life and then begin to guide me as to where I, things in how I live and speak and what I should do? And you make that step. Or as I said, those of you that are at home or wherever you may be right now, you may also just have that situation where you're facing and you're, that's maybe why you're home right now. And I want to suggest to you, you can reach out to God as we read it. Humble yourself before the Lord. God, I need help. I need help today, Lord. And I'm just reaching out to you, God, for help. And you allow him that opportunity. He's there. He cares. He's ready to respond to you in your circumstance if you give him the opportunity. Let's pray. Jesus, we bow before you again. But this time, Lord, we do so to say that we want to have a relationship with you that goes beyond about us knowing a little bit about you or being able to know your name or those kind of things. We really want to know your heart. We want to know what you're like. And so God, for some of us here this morning or those watching, Lord, we're going to open up our hearts and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to teach me and show me how to live my life in a way that's not only just pleasing to you, but allows you the opportunity to bless my life and make it what it can be. Or Lord, we're here today and we recognize that God, there's weaknesses. Some of it's physical for some of us, Lord. Some of it's financial. Some of it's in relationships. Some of it's maybe in work situations. All kinds of different types of things it might be or just things that we notice about us inside of us that's just not what it should be. God, we turn to you today. God, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me. As we humble ourselves before you and invite you to come and pour yourself into us. We believe, Lord, you bring a strength where there has appeared to be a weakness. Because that's who you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. And I just pray that blessing over each one this day in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Would you mind standing with me? <clears throat> and let me just remind you, this Wednesday, we have a time to pray. We gather in this room, and we take an hour, and we pray. That's what we do. And it's a powerful time. It's a great time. I want to encourage you to, to consider being a part of that. 6 p.m. Wednesday evening. And then also, you're signing up with Open Streets. Take that as an opportunity of outreach and reaching out to our community to bless them in Jesus' name. It takes that opportunity to do just that. And then as you're standing there, I want to speak two verses over you as a blessing. First one's out of Psalms 46, chapter one, or verse one. It says, God is your safe and powerful place to find refuge. God is your proven help in time of trouble. More than enough and always available whenever you need him. In Isaiah 41.10, Therefore you will not need to be afraid, for God is with you. You will not need to stay discouraged, for he is your God. He will strengthen you and help you. He will hold you up with his victorious right hand. You say amen to that? Amen. amen. Receive that today. May God bless you and your week. See what God's going to do with you. Come for prayer.